You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Man, I, it's, it's not a competition, but I'm just saying, we got a pretty good worship team, y'all. <laughs> man, so good. Uh, man, grateful for y'all. Get me fired up. So i um, got a question for you. You ever been in one of those moments where someone has been talking something up to you? Let's say, let's just pick something like, uh, we're in Texas, queso, right? They're like, dude, this restaurant has the best queso. You got to try out. It's going to be amazing. So you're like, okay. They're talking about the chips and how great it is. So you go to the restaurant, you, the waiter, the waitress comes and they ask for like an appetizer. And you're like, well, apparently we're getting chips and queso because this is a big deal. Apparently they bring the chips and queso out. You try it. And you look, not at the person who's been raving about it, but you look at your other friend and you're like, this is, this is not that good. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Or maybe like someone's been going on and on about a movie. And so you and your friends, you and your spouse, whoever, go see it over the weekend. And they, they see you at school or at work on Monday. And like, oh my gosh, how was the movie? And you're like, ah, like, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Those are always kind of like an awkward moment because they're going on and on about something. And, and you're like, I, I don't know how I feel about that. What's exciting, I want to create one of those moments right now for you, okay? <laughs> so you don't have to turn there, because um, we're going to be in a lot of places this morning. But this is from Psalm 119. And this is listen to how the psalmist talks about the Bible. I want you to listen to how he raves on and on about how amazing the Bible is. Uh, in verse 71 of Psalm 119, he says, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So he's saying, it's good that I experienced pain, affliction, hurt, tribulation, because I got to learn your word better. Like, I'll be honest, I've been in church for a while. I don't know, I haven't heard that very often. Like, you know what? I went through a terrible time. It was very painful, but I learned more about God's word. I haven't heard that much. Then uh, verse 72, he says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Like you don't want, I know we're in church, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be honest. You're gonna, you wanna look like you're like very spiritual, right? But some of y'all, if I was like, you can choose the Bible or in the hallway, there are thousands of pieces of gold. You'd be like, I'm out, right? Like I wanna know where to go at, show me the gold. Um, it's an old video anyway, sorry. Um, verse 97, he says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So I love it. I'm going to think about it all day long. And then in verse 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So he's saying, not like he's like actually eating it, but God, when I read it, when I study your word, when I take it in, keep in mind at this time, all he had was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So a lot of you might say, well, when I read Ephesians, I feel that way. He's reading the first five books of the Bible and he says, God, when I read your word, it's like honey on my mouth. So to take that into today's context, God, when I read your word, it's like it's better than going to Jay's Creamery and getting Courtney's dirt and worms. Like it's just that's what, ice cream. OK, if you're not sure what that is. God, it's so good. It's better than, than Jay's. It's pretty intense. He's gushing over the Bible. Verse 131, it almost gets a little weird. He says, I open my mouth and pant because I long 
for your commandments. I'm so desperate to get your, your word, God. I'm so desperate to get your commandments. I'm, I'm so desperate to get scripture that I'm panting like a dog, like an animal over your word because I'm so desperate. I want it so dramatically, so badly. If someone were to come in here and begin to use that language, or maybe in your small group or in a Bible study, whatever, and they were to use that language about the Bible, because you were in church, you might be like, yeah, for sure. But in your heart, you'd be like, you weirdo, right? I got a few honest people. Some of you, maybe you really would feel that way. But many of us, I think we'd be going, we'd want to pull them aside and be like, do, do you really feel that strongly about the Bible? And if so, could you tell me why you feel so strongly about the Bible? It's interesting. According to scripture, the psalmist is not the weirdo. <laughs> We're the weirdos for not viewing God's word that way. See, Psalm 119 is not to be the exception, like, oh man, that guy really loves the Bible. No, it's to be the standard view of scripture. And, and no, not just your, your like, uh, mental understanding of scripture, but your affections, your desire for scripture. It's not just that we have a high view of scripture, like we, we believe it's God's word, we believe it's eternal, we believe it's perfect, infallible, and errant. It is God's perfect word. It, that is good. We, that's the appropriate, correct belief. But also, we're to have the heart of the psalmist in Psalm 119 that says, God, I long for your word. I desire it. I, I want to take it in. I'm desperate for it. That's to be the standard. But again, I think some of us are probably wondering, why? Why should I treasure the Bible like that? I want to say that's a fair question that has really good answers. And, and we don't have time this morning to look at all of them, but really, again, the question being, why should I treasure the Bible? Why should we treasure the Bible? It's a fair question that has solid answers that are worth our time. And, and I would say in addition to that, if you're shaky on that, if you're shaky on why you should not just have a high view of the Bible, but why you should treasure it, if you're shaky on that, you're gonna be shaky in your faith. And, and I wanna kind of have a disclaimer this morning. We're going to answer this question, why we should treasure the Bible, we're going to answer it from the Bible. And you're like, I know I got a lot of college students in here. By the way, if you're not a college student, super pumped you're in here. Way to go. Don't be scared of these young folk in here. I'm just kidding. Um, I totally forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. If you're like, well, man, you know what? I, this seems a little circular, Brandon. You're going to argue for the Bible, from the Bible. It seems like circular reasoning. Reasoning. Here's the thing. You don't go to a lesser authority to describe something that is a higher authority. We believe this is the highest authority. It is God's word. So it would be foolish and really defeating and really making the Bible out to be less than it says it is if we went to a lesser authority to establish its high authority. Does that make sense? So the reason I think it's okay to... Um, defend the Bible with the Bible or talk about why we should treasure the Bible from the Bible. Uh, I love what Kevin DeYoung says in his book, um, Taking God at His Word. We have it back there, great resource. He says, this is no different than uh, the scientist touting that science is established and it's reliable because it's been proven by scientific method. Like, it, it's, it's the same thing, going to the highest authority that you believe exists to establish the authority of something. So we're not talking about 
an apologetic issue this morning of is the Bible reliable, is it trustworthy? Stating right now, we do believe that. I 100% believe that. But that's not our focus this morning. The focus is why should we treasure the Bible? I do wanna say if you're, if you're struggling with, man, where did the Bible come from and can we trust that it's reliable? In the back of that book I just mentioned, Taking God at His Word by Kevin DeYoung, have it back there. I think we're selling it for five, maybe $10. Um, in the back, in the appendix, he has some great resources, apologetic resources that talk about how we got the Bible, why it's reliable, why it's worth reading, uh, why you can trust it. So really recommend that. But again, this morning, why should we treasure the Bible? I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna dig in. God, thank you for uh, this opportunity to, to come and to worship and to, to spend time with you. And I pray that you would move this morning to give us a desire to know you better, God, and a desire, a greater desire for your word that maybe this morning would be the beginning of all of us having the heart of Psalm 119, that we would desire your word, that we would pant for it, that we would long for it more than ice cream, long for it more than honey, that we would desire to take it in. That it would not just be on our minds, but it would be on our hearts. So please stir us toward you and toward your word, toward your word this morning. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. So the first thing we're gonna look at, very famous passage when you talk about scripture, turn, if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter three. A lot of you already know where we're going here, but that's okay. You, you kind of got to start here, I feel like, when talking about scripture. 2 Timothy chapter three. We're gonna look at verse 16 as soon as you get there. 2 Timothy chapter three, verse 16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So here's the first thing we see, according to this passage, we should treasure the Bible because it is how God speaks to us. We should treasure the Bible because it's how God speaks to us. He says, all scripture, so how much of scripture? All of it is breathed out by God. What does that mean? So it's literally the breath of God. So this is a key point here. It doesn't just contain the word of God. It's not like, well, we flip through there. There's some good verses in there. I don't know why I'm talking like that. It's not that, like there's just occasional God's word. No, it is the whole thing. It is God's word. So here's the cool thing. It's not just words on pages. It's breath on pages that God breathed out and spoke. And here it is in the Bible. Second Peter says that God carried the authors of scripture along as they wrote. That idea carried along, the idea is that he made sure, he ensured the outcome of what was in the intended outcome, sorry. He ensured the intended outcome. So yes, the writers were involved as they wrote, but God inspired and ensured that it would be his word. So this is not the word of men, this is the word of God. Is breathed out by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So it's our, our authority because it is God's word, but it's also sufficient, meaning when we have God's word, we have what we need to be complete in Christ, what we need to, to grow as a Christian, to put on the characteristics, the qualities of Christ 
We can live for God if we have scripture. It tells us how to do it. So it's, it's authoritative and it's sufficient. Here, here's what's so cool. So often we, we're longing for, man, I wish God would speak to me. I wish he would do something. And the reality is he's like, bro, 66 books. <laughs> like, just open it up. It is his word. Doesn't become his word when you read it and think about it just right. No, it is his word. It makes me think about when Laura and I were dating, us, uh, my wife, and we were dating long distance. Um, she was in Jacksonville, I was in Fort Worth, <clears throat> excuse me. And occasionally we would write each other letters. Very romantic, I know. Um, she was normally better about it than me. But when she write letters, you know what I didn't do? I didn't get the letter and be like, Psh, you wrote me a letter? Lame, try calling me. Like, <laughs> I didn't throw it to the side. No, I treasured that letter because she was speaking to me, right? It wasn't like, well, this is less than because she wrote it. Honestly, it was even better almost because I could go back to it like, man, that's what she said. That's what she's feeling. That's how she thinks about me. I began to treasure it. So my question is, why, why don't we do that with God's word? Why do we act as if man, I just wish God would speak to me. I wish he would, I really wanna feel him and sense him. He's like, I'm speaking, you just gotta listen. Just open up the Bible, amen? He, he, he's talking, we're just not listening. <laughs> he's speaking, we're just not paying attention. I, I would say if you're like, man, or I have said this before, when people are like, you know, I just don't feel like God's speaking to me. I don't feel like I'm being fed. I don't feel like I'm growing. That's, that's like, because we have scripture, that's the equivalent of you literally in the physical realm saying, coming to me and saying, Brandon, I just, I'm so hungry. I'm just starving. Uh, will you take me out to eat? And then me going to your house and realizing that your pantry is full, your fridge is full. You have all this amazing food. You're just not taking use of it. I'll be like, uh, just, can, can you turn on the oven? Like what's going on here, right? Like there's an abundance of food. You're just not taking advantage of it because maybe you're being lazy or you want something different. I don't know, but the food is there. When we say, oh, man, this God's not speaking to me. I'm not being fed. God says, hey, the food is there. Just, just open it up. Just take it in. It's there to devour. We should treasure God's word because it's how God speaks to us. We don't have to wait for this epiphany. We don't have to wait for this emotional experience. We don't have to wait for this thing to click in our gut. No, just open. God says, just open up and read. Treasure his word because it's how he speaks to us. And here's the cool thing. He doesn't just speak to us. He speaks to us in a way we can understand. What I mean by that is, you ever been, <laughs> you ever been to a different country where they speak a different language? And there's always, especially if you go on a mission team, there's always somebody on the team. I love I loved people from the South, right? Like there's normally some, somebody from the South and... Uh, <laughs> And you go to this other country, they don't speak the same language. And somebody on the team is always like, if I just speak slower and louder, they'll understand me, right? I am from America. And you're like, they don't know what you're saying, right? Like, please stop, that's super embarrassing. Um, here's the cool thing. That's not what God did. God didn't send down a book and just like speak really loud and slowly in a language we don't understand. No, he, he spoke. Speaking in a way we can understand. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We should treasure the Bible because its clarity gives us clarity. 
So there's really two things going on. We're saying the Bible is clear, it's understandable, and its clarity gives us clarity on life. If you have your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, going old school here. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And while you're turning, I'll give you a little bit of context. So uh, what's going on here in Deuteronomy 30, there, the people of God, the Israelites, they're fixing to enter into the promised land. It's, been, it's the second giving of the law. Moses has been going over and he's saying, hey, if you obey God, if you follow God's command, commandments, it's gonna go really well for you in the promised land. If you disobey, if you don't follow God, it's not gonna go well. You need to do things how God is telling you to do them. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's awesome. We love having kids in here. Seriously, I mean, that's awesome. Um, and to keep in mind, Moses, he's not going to get to go into the promised land. He's going to see it from afar, but not going to get to go in. But the people are fixing to go in. This is kind of an epic moment. And listen to what he says in chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. This is really cool. So Moses was telling them not that they could understand and obey God's word in a perfect way, or in a meritorious way, meaning he wasn't saying you can live perfectly how God wants you to and you can live in such a way to earn his favor. No, we can't earn God's favor. We're all broken sinners. But he's saying God's word is clear enough. It's understandable enough. His commands are clear enough that you can generally obey them and understand them. It's not some abstract thought way over on another universe on the other side of the ocean that, oh man, I wish I could understand that. No, it's, he's saying it's right here. It's right here, it's close, it's at hand where you can understand it, you can read it and, and take it in. Jesus had this same view of scripture. That's why Jesus, when he was talking to, for example, like the, uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, he would say, I always think of that, sorry, I'm not gonna go there anyways. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, he would ask them, when they would ask him a question, he would often ask them, have you not read? fill in the blank, he did it several times. Have, they would say something outlandish and he would say, have you not read? And he referred to the Old Testament. See, Jesus clearly believed that scripture is understandable. Because he was saying, if you had read the Old Testament, if you had just read it, you should be able to understand and know what it means. This is good news. <laughs> God speaks to us in a way we can understand it. So maybe to make it even more clear, the average person, which I would say, way to go, you're average. <laughs> the average person with the help of the Holy Spirit can understand God's word. So here's cool, here's the cool thing. The, the takeaway, the application of this morning, the ending is not gonna be, all right, guys. So because we treasure God's word, the challenge for you all is to quit your job and all go to seminary. Like, that would be terrible, right? Like, it's, I mean, not, seminary's not bad, but that would be a really bad application. That's not the point. The point is, we treasure God's word. We value it because he has spoken clearly. So the application is, just read it. <laughs> Amen? Open it up and let God speak to you. 
We should treasure the Bible because it's clarity. It is clear. It's clarity brings us clarity. Here's how we kind of maybe image that. Psalm 119, I think it's 105, says it. His word is a lamp to our feet and a what? Do you know this? And a light to my path, right? So again, there's that clarity idea again. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it's not this dim old light that's like, man, it doesn't help much. No, it's a bright light that gives clarity to our path. To think of it another way, it's, it's like a lighthouse that is shining brightly. It's very clear to see it, can't miss it, but it's shining gives me clarity on where I'm at. So in the midst of the raging waters of this world, God's word stands as a strong, clear lighthouse to give me direction for my life. It's clarity brings us clarity. So keeping with like the flashlight idea, it's not like, if think of, yeah, think of the Bible as a flashlight. It's not like God gave us his word and he's like, oh man, I forgot to put the batteries in. Good luck, right? No, he wrote it in such a way that it accomplishes its purpose, meaning it communicates to us. God knows how to communicate. He's a good communicator. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so just read it. Treasure it as its clarity brings you clarity. And I, I would say it, if some of you are like, nah, it's okay to be here. If you're like, Brandon, I heard you saying it's clear, but it don't feel so clear to me. <laughs> when I'm reading it. One, I would say, uh, let's be fair. There are some parts of scripture that are harder to understand than others, right? Are there times that, oh man, that makes so much sense. Other days you're like, uh, you normally uh, text me or call me on those days because you're like, what does this mean? But I think there's probably a couple things that need to happen. One, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. God, would you guide me in truth? Would, Would you make this clear to me? You wrote it, would you help me understand it? Second, I think often you just need to become more familiar with it. So I think about the first time uh, we tried to get Haddon, our our two-year-old son, we have twins, uh, or Carolyn Tate, both of them really, the first time they tried to swing a little plastic baseball bat and hit a ball, it was not good, right? People were getting hit in the head. I mean, like them hitting each other. Um, Lots of misses uh, and just frustration. They get irritated, right? But we don't just give up and say, well, Haddon Carolina Tate, clearly at a year and a half old, thinking back when they start, year and a half old, you're just not cut out for sports. (laughs) What if he really mean parenting, right? No, we, we keep going back to it, right? And now at two years old, Haddon's actually trying out for the Rangers next year. <laughs> um, no, we're going to keep going back to it. And as they become familiar with the swing, over time, that he, they're not going to get irritated. Right now they get irritated with like, let's, let's go throw the ball, let's hit the ball. It's, they're not always sure about it. As they become more familiar with it, it'll become natural, right? It's the same. I really do think it's very similar, I should say, with God's word. Some of us, we've not read it much. And so we start to read it. And does it make sense? We're like, Ugh, I don't like that. It's like, could you just try it a little bit? Like, don't give up so easily, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think, now I know he's really good, but Patrick Mahomes, football season's back, amen. Um, yesterday it was like UTEP, we were still excited, right? <laughs> football is on TV. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I, I'm, a, I'm sure, as good as he is, he did not throw the football perfectly the first time he threw it, right? Like, I'm sure he wasn't 
a natural the second I get two years old. Over time, the dude can play football, right? I think it's no different with you in scripture. But you can't give up. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Don't give up. And the third thing, I would say we're not approaching it right. And that's why we don't have clarity. So a lot of us approach scripture like I do with my afternoon pick-me-up of needing some caffeine. Like you run through whatever drive-through, like my wife likes the little United drive-throughs where she can get her a Diet Coke or a Dr. Pepper or whatever it is, represent boo. Um, I like to go to, to you know, gold, I about said gold house, gold stripe or J&B or, uh, or sometimes the Market Street, Market Street drive-through and get me a drink. And it's just a quick like, need some caffeine, let's go get it and move on, right? And sometimes you're feeling crazy, maybe I get some banana bread, and that's weird, I'm old, right? But um, you get whatever it is, you need your quick pick-me-up, boom, let's go, let's get back to it, right? We often treat God's word that way, we're like, Boom, flip it open, verse of the day, bam, check. I see you, God, I love you, right? And you go about your day. Or you pull out your Instagram, you're like, ooh, that's a good quote, verse of the day, love you, God, see you later. And then later we're like, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And here's the, here's the thing, God is not into this, like, what if you, what if you treated your, your uh, and if you're not there, it'll come eventually, maybe, maybe not. But if you're in a relate, sorry, they talked about dating on Tuesday night. Um, if you're in a relationship, what if you treated your relationship that way of just this everyday quick, like, good to see you, see you later. Like your spouse would be like, what are you doing, right? Like, could you sit down for a second? What's going on? Why do we treat God's word that way? Is this quick drive-by? See, God is not, well, yes, like anything is better than nothing. He's not inviting us to this quick drive-through, get a verse and move on. He's inviting you to dinner. <laughs> he wants you to feast to sit down and enjoy time with him. I, I'm, I would, I bet money on this. I'm not gonna, I can't, you can't do that from the pulpit, but um, I'm gonna make a deal with you. If you start reading scripture more, like more than a verse a day, you really start digging in. And after a month, you don't feel closer to God and you don't feel clarity in scripture, you come let me know and you can tell me you were wrong. I, I, that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. You read scripture more, you're gonna hear God more because it's how he speaks to us and it's gonna be more clear to you. And as God's word becomes clear again, I already said this, his light of his word brings clarity like a lighthouse to your world. So we treasure it. <laughs> we treasure it. Here's the cool thing. God's word doesn't just bring clarity to like, to direction in life and good and evil in light and, I mean life, sorry, and dark and light in life. It actually sheds light on the most important issue there is in this life. What is that? We should treasure the Bible because it points us to the hero of the story. We should treasure the Bible because it points us, it gives us clarity, it sheds light on who the hero of the story is. And guess what? This is, this is a big moment for some of you. You aren't the hero of your story. <laughs> it's not you. Praise God, Brandon Hayes is not the hero of anybody's story. That's my wife, right? Fail, fail. <laughs> You're not the hero. So right now, let's just say this. I'll show you in a second. You are officially, according to God's word, you are officially relieved of any hero status or any hero responsibilities. You don't have to be the hero. Because it points us 
to the hero. And guess what? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Here's what's really neat. From beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, scripture points us to Jesus. It's not like all of a sudden in Matthew was like, you know what? Sorry, it's not like in Matthew, all of a sudden God was like, you know what? That Old Testament business didn't work out too much. Jesus, let's get on this thing. (laughs) No, from the beginning to end, it was the plan. He was the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And if you're like, I, I, what, are you, what are you talking about, Jesus, like from the beginning? Let me show you. you. You're welcome to follow along. You don't have to. We're gonna look at just a few different passages. If you're up for the challenge of flipping really fast, uh, turn to Genesis chapter three. Genesis three. This is after the fall of Adam and Eve. So after the fall of humanity. So re- just again, reminder, we try to remind us frequently, not to, to uh, tear you down here, but scripture teaches us that we are sinners, that we are broken fallen people separated from God on our own and listen to the hope it's called the proto-evangelion the first mention of the gospel listen to the hope that's already mentioned in Genesis 3 the same chapter that the fall happened this is God talking to the enemy talking to Satan he says verse 15 chapter 3 I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he singular shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you go to, don't, you have to go there, but if you go to the New Testament, Matthew especially, uh, and Luke, incredible genealogy showing you how Jesus, you can trace him back to Adam and Eve, the seed of the woman. So from the very beginning, Genesis 3, God told, told Satan, hey, look, fool, <laughs> there's coming one, a descendant of Adam and Eve, who will crush your head. Yes, you're, you're gonna bite him on the hill, but he's gonna crush your head. You know what that's a reference to? <laughs> the cross. On the cross, Jesus took the bite, you could say, from the enemy. But at the same time, Jesus crushed the enemy's head on the cross, amen? The very first mention all the way in Genesis 3. So even in Genesis 3, God wasn't like, oh, right, Adam and Eve, right, humanity. Y'all gotta get this together. From the very beginning, he says, hey, there's a coming one who's gonna make all things right. That quick. Turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. You may notice the opening verses of chapter 22 may recognize them from the lips of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, sorry, from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. We're gonna read a little more in a second. But see, Jesus quoted this on the cross because ultimately Jesus was fully aware that Psalm 22 was ultimately about him. Keep in mind as you read these next few verses, Psalm Psalm 22 was written about a thousand years before Christ came, a thousand years, and about 600 years before crucifixion was invented. You know, track on that? A thousand years before Christ, 600 years before crucifixion was invented. Verse six, 
I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He, by the way, this is exactly what happened when Jesus was on the cross, in case you're not familiar. They, they walked by and said, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. They were mocking Christ. Jump down to um, verse 14, just for the sake of time. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. Remember, none of the bones of Christ were broken on the cross. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. Can you see it? Who is this? Jesus. In Psalm 22, a thousand years before he even came. Holy cow. Now listen to this. Look at verse um, 29. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him. They shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. He, that this suffering one has done it. We just sang about that, that it is finished. Christ won, mercy won because of the cross. Prophesied to, or prophesied of, pointed to a thousand years before Christ even came. You're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. You're like, I don't, still, I don't know if I believe you. Okay, turn to Isaiah 53. <laughs> keep going to the right a little bit. Isaiah 53, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep moving here. Verse four, that, by the way, context. Talking of a suffering servant who would come and suffer for the people of God to bring redemption, restoration. By the way, um, uh, oh my gosh, 700 years before Christ, 300 years before crucifixion was invented is when this was written. 700 years before Christ, 300 years before crucifixion was invented. Verse four, chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced, there's that word again, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now I'm gonna jump over to uh, verse 12. Therefore, you could, I encourage you to read the rest of it sometime. It's all amazing. But verse 12, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. All through scripture, there's a scarlet thread through every book of the Bible that points to the scarlet Crimson blood of Jesus. This is why Jesus in Luke 24, when talking with the disciples, says that he opened up them the understanding to show them how he and his life, death, and resurrection 
fulfilled all that had been spoken of him, Jesus, in the law, the writings of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. See, even Jesus told the disciples, when you read the Old Testament, throughout the entire Bible, ultimately it points to me. It's about me. It's about the fact that everyone who's ever lived, Jesus speaking here, everyone who's ever lived except me is broken, sinful, fallen, cut off from God. But Jesus would say because, or says, because of his life, death, and resurrection, as the hero of the story who brings redemption and rescue, you can have salvation if you will turn to him. See, we treasure this book because it's not just a bunch of unrelated, unconnected stories. Now, ultimately, this is one story that points us to the hero, Jesus Christ. We so often read scripture looking for this master plan. There is a master plan, like God's in control for sure, has everything planned out, he's sovereign. But then we're often looking for the details for our master plan. Like we're trying to find a life hack in scripture. Like, well, if I read this verse, it'll give me like this life hack on my life. (laughs) Scripture shows us that you don't need to worry about the master plan as much as knowing that the master is the plan. See, when you read scripture, you study scripture, you begin to see that it changes your life. It changes everything in your life because it points you to the one who changed everything. And that's Jesus. The best way to treasure this savior is to treasure the book. If you're not reading scripture, if you're not digging into scripture, you're not gonna love Jesus. The best way to treasure the Savior, treasure Jesus, is to treasure the book. As we respond this morning, a couple of things for us to consider. Some of you this morning are, are, I don't mean this funny, like you've maybe grown up in church, been in church for a long time, and you for the first time realizing I'm not the hero. I'm not supposed to be the hero. Jesus came because I'm a sinner. He came because I'm broken, flawed, messed up person. That's the whole reason he came. If you're realizing that this morning, God is drawing you to himself. I wanna invite you to respond, to to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I wanna place my faith and hope and trust in you. You can be saved by grace through faith in Christ. You realize that God came for broken sinful, messed up people, of which we are all. <laughs> He's the hero, not you. You, can, you, can, you don't have to talk to a pastor. You don't have to fill out a card. You can turn to Christ right there in your seat. If you would like to talk to someone, uh, myself and a couple other pastors will be back at the Welcome Center back there. We'd love to talk with you as we sing this next song. Just come back and say, hey, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know the hero. Could you talk to me about that? We'd love to do that. I think... Some of us as believers this morning realize, man, like I don't treasure God's word. Yeah, I would say it's God's word to have a have you, but you don't treasure it like Psalm 119 talks about. The challenge to you is to start digging in.
I, I talk about this a lot. I'd actually, um, I was gonna say something earlier and just didn't, but anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, I like, I like Evie Mays barbecue a lot. I talk about it a lot. I'm not endorsed by them. <laughs> um, I talk about it a lot. You know why I like it so much? Because I eat there a lot. <laughs> and every time I eat, I'm like, so good, bro. <laughs> Some of you, you're big Bluebell ice cream fans. You know how you became to like it? Came to like it? You ate it and you're like, this is so good. I'm gonna go buy another gallon, right? <laughs> The way you come to treasure God's word is to read it. <laughs> if you don't read it, you're not gonna treasure it. If you read it, you will learn to treasure it. You begin to see, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was in here. It's, it's almost like you go to clean out a closet and all of a sudden you're like, I had no idea we had this, yes. Like, or like, you ever opened up, I remember one time I, I uh, in high school, opened up a drawer that I used to throw change in from, from uh, school lunches. And my sister opened it up and she was like, uh, bub, you should cash that in. It was like $250 just sitting in my drawer. To a high school senior, that is sweet, right? I think God's words like that, that some of us, it's just sitting on our counter, sitting on our coffee table, it's sitting by our bed. And we don't realize the riches, the treasure that is right there. Just open it up, dig in. But to delight in it, you're gonna have to be disciplined to dig in it. And I would say maybe the third kind of idea of response here would be for those of you that as I've been talking this morning and as we read some Psalm 119, you're like, yes, I don't always feel that way, but for sure, I, I treasure God's word. I love it. I'm grateful for it. I know it's how he speaks to me. I know it's clear and it gives me clarity. It points me to the hero. I love it. The challenge for you this morning to be, would be to praise God, to thank him for his grace in your life, for treasuring scripture. But I would add to that. I want to push you a little bit. Like I'm going to push myself. If we, since, not if, since we have the best story ever told and we know who the hero is, we should tell other people. It's pretty simple, right? We got the best story ever told on planet earth. We know who the hero is. Let's not keep that quiet. Who are you going to tell that to this week? Who are you going to share the story with this week? Let's not just treasure it. Let's share the treasure because you can't empty it out. It's too rich. It's too full. I'm going to say a quick word of prayer. I'm going to invite you to just pray and talk with God and see how he's leading you to respond. And then we're going to sing one song. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your word and help us to be more grateful for it. Help us to learn to treasure it, to love it, to desire it, to hear from you as we read the pages of scripture. And God, however we need to respond right now, we ask that you would lead us very clearly. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 